What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius here, dropping episode number 113 for you today. I have Sridhar Subramanian, Chief Marketing Officer and Head of Product Management at ArcServe on. And he joined the company through ArcServe's March 2021 merger with StorageCraft. And he was also previously at Exablox, where he was CMO and Head of Product Management. So Gumbo listener Sridhar discusses the merger between StorageCraft and ArcServe, his view on the next wave of adoption in the data protection industry, and why it's important for CIOs to lock down a solid disaster recovery plan for their hybrid workloads. So let's get right into the episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Sridhar. How are you today? I'm doing really good, Demetrius. Awesome, awesome. I am excited to to finally have you on the show. And there has has been some some recent news around the the merger with ArcServe. And I know myself, I am curious about the actual agreement and you know what what are you guys planning on on doing as a result of the of the merger? And I know you're focused on the SMB uh, market just from a storage craft perspective and ArcServe is primarily on mid-market and enterprise, but what what are you seeing and, and what, what can you share with the Gumbo listeners around why the merger? Sure. Demetrius, first off, uh, let me start by saying that I'm really excited to be here talking to your audience. Uh, as you mentioned, StorageCraft has been in the data protection space serving the SMB market as well as the MSP segment for upwards of uh, uh, 15 years. And they have quite a few customers in this space and they have a pretty dominant space in terms of data protection and disaster recovery in this particular market. ArcServe similarly uh, has been serving the mid-sized enterprise market from the data protection uh, as well as disaster recovery as a service perspective. So uh, the, the combination of these two companies, it is more of a merger rather than an acquisition. The combination of these two companies is actually pretty exciting. It is exciting for us, it is exciting for the market, and it is exciting for the partners. The reason is what we offer uh, from a products perspective, from a market perspective, from a geo perspective, as well as from a segment perspective, is all complementary. There is a lot that customers as well as partners can leverage from what now the combined company offers and thereby enable uh, building out a much better data protection as well as a disaster recovery solution. Okay, uh, Just to give you an example, a lot of the storage craft products are predominantly focused on the MSP market uh, and it, it really is in tune and completely aligned with the business model in that particular segment. Why? Whereas ArcServe, as you mentioned, has been focused more on the midsize as well as the enterprise segment selling to the end users through channel partners, VARs and DISTs. So now, with the combination of the two companies, whether you are an MSP or a or a VAR or an end user, you have a very broad portfolio of products going all the way from data protection to disaster recovery to appliance, as well as to uh, you know the OneSafe solos, which uh, StorageCraft has in order to protect the data at the edge as well as at the center. 
Well, Sridhar, thank you so much for, for that answer and, and your insight in, into the, the merger with ArcServe. And it also looks like you have been around the industry a, a little bit longer than, than myself here. So you, you are a seasoned executive, but not to take that in the wrong way. But I, I would like to tap into your uh, view of the data protection industry. And also you mentioned appliances. Uh, earlier. So I'm curious, you know, do you think appliances will e- eventually phase out and in, in more of a SaaS type of environment or SaaS type solutions will move more into the forefront uh, moving forward? That's actually a very interesting question, Demetrius, right? Over my career, I have seen many, many, many waves come and establish themselves in the IT industry, as well as in data management and uh, data protection and disaster recovery. I see this whole SaaS move as one other wave where what we are seeing is a lot of the early adopters having gone through the SaaS wave, this is moving more to the mature cycle. But to answer your question specifically, Demetrius, what I see happening is customers moving a bunch of their data over to cloud, leveraging a lot of the SaaS applications, but they will also have quite a bit of data on premises. So it is the data centers are moving from just being on premises to more of a hybrid configuration. Even though people would like to believe or think that everything is gonna move to the cloud, there are still gonna be significant pieces of data on-premises and even the cloud infrastructure as we see it is going into more of a multi-cloud configuration there are multiple public clouds that they may have their data on as well as private clouds in the case of very large enterprises so this whole configuration is becoming extremely hybrid and when we talk to customers one of the things that we consistently hear from them is that they are used to certain forms of data protection and data management on-premises, and they would like to see that same thing happening in the cloud. Today, in the cloud, overall data protection is actually there, but it is limited in in many ways. it, it, It doesn't come with the same kind of policy setting, the same kind of management, the same level of protection that they are used to on-premises. What will succeed and what customers are interested in going forward is to have more of a seamless data protection mechanism between on-premises and cloud. So it is going to be a combination of SaaS-based data protection as well as uh, on-premises. And for many of the on-premises data protection, customers would like to see appliances. So there is a place for appliances. There is a place for SaaS and having that seamless interlinkages between the two is what customers would like to see so that they fundamentally don't have to worry about, okay, I'm protecting this data on-premises. I'm, I got to do steps A, B, and C, and I'm doing this in the cloud, and hence I got to do E, F, and G, or, or some of this set of steps. They really don't want to worry about it. For them, it has to be set it and forget it and be assured uh, that their data is being protected no matter where it is. 
All right. So you you mentioned appliances will will continue to stay around, and it primarily depends upon basically where where is the data, where is the data moving, uh, whether it's on premises or whether it's in the cloud. And it's all, it almost reminds me as well, Sridhar, of tape and how we said that that tape was going to die. There's not going to be a place for it, but tape is still going strong. And I think we're at what LTO nine now or something like that. But I, I do know that tape tape is still around, and as you look at each wave, you you don't phase them out. It's just a matter of moving toward the the newer technology and 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 utilizing the workloads for uh, some of the technologies that have been around a while. Right when the drives came in, people were saying that tape is going to be dead, and tape is still in use, although it has been relegated to certain use cases where the cost is important. And it is predominantly for archive kind of purposes. Now, similarly, when uh, there was the SSD wave, right? I mean, and everybody can remember this because it was just a few years back and I was intimately involved with it. We had the PCIe SSDs, the SAS SATA SSDs. And when that came in and when the price curve of the SSD was dropping, there was big talk about how SSDs are going to replace all drives. We still have tape. We still have drives. And we have SSDs. Each one of these things have a particular use case and applications that they are used for. Similarly, we are going to have uh, appliances. They have their place. And we are going to have a lot of protection in the cloud. So it all comes back to, as you said, Demetrius, where the data is. Right, right. I completely agree with that. And... You know, what I see tape being used for now as well as as you look at security and with some of the things happening with with the larger headlines that that occur now on a daily basis, ransomware has taken a front seat, uh, even with the White House, you know, the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack and JBS. So now it's affecting, you know, meatpacking industries and farmers, et cetera. It's really beginning to to take a front seat and to be critical to understand that you also need to protect against hackers and, and bad actors. I'm curious to to get your take and also understand your recommendations around the importance of protecting against ransomware. And I know it's a matter of not if it happens, it's a matter of when an attack will happen. Um, but what do you recommend what do you see uh, from a ransomware recovery perspective? Can you share some insight on that? Hey, Demetrius, unfortunately, there are no silver bullets to keep ransomware at bay. But the good thing is every company can follow a multi-step approach in order to ensure that the data receives maximum protection and that the infrastructure is really set up so that in case a ransomware attack happens, one can recover the data quickly and seamlessly. First off, in cybersecurity, security vendors have been using a layering approach as an effective way in order to combat ransomware for years. But unfortunately, even with these layers of security, the vulnerability is still there. Second, everyone needs to realize that the backup system should have the same level of security measures as a production server and as production data so that in case of a ransomware attack this data is not compromised and one can recover from it so in order to provide this level of protection to 
The backup systems, what is needed is more of an integrated security infrastructure. In addition to that, it is also recommended that companies implement what is called as a 3-2-1-1 backup strategy. What this means is that you have three copies of your data on two separate backup media in at least two different locations and with one copy being on immutable storage that is offline and that really cannot be changed. In addition to that, it is also strongly recommended that companies implement an orchestrated disaster recovery in the cloud where there are uh, copies of the data that are taken periodically and stored up there. And the reason one needs to have an orchestrated disaster recovery is that in case of a disaster, rather than wait for the time where the production and on-prem servers and data come back online, the critical servers and workloads can be recovered in the cloud and they can be run from the cloud as a virtual data center while the IT team is working hard on bringing the on-prem production systems back online. And once the on-prem production systems are back online, one can simply conduct an orchestrated failback from the cloud to the on-prem systems. That way, companies do not miss a beat in terms of recovering from a ransomware attack. So all of these processes have to be built into the organization. The employees need to be trained. There has to be multi-factor authentication integrated with all the processes uh, within the organization and companies have to do periodic testing of disaster recovery and of their backup data. The point here is that these tests of backup and disaster recovery need to be done at the point when you have the time to do it rather than realize it that your data has been compromised and you don't have an offline copy when you really need the data and when you have been attacked by ransomware. All right, Sridhar, yeah, th those are all like very important things. And it, it, it makes me want to, you know, get a little more specific just around the importance of having a disaster recovery plan. And it's not a term that, that you hear often now. You, you hear more about um, just recovering the data, making sure you have that data backed up. But I think the term disaster recovery plan is, is kind of an old, older traditional term that we used to use when there were, it was only on-premises environments and you just had infrastructure that you were dealing with. So now we're in the cloud. That's a little different. So what do you think is the most important asset of a disaster recovery plan or, or solution um, Especially now that we're, you know, toward the tail end of COVID-19 and, and we're moving into 2022. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so, so let me double click into some of the things that I mentioned uh, uh, just a few minutes back, Demetrius, right? Uh, as a, it is very important to have a comprehensive disaster recovery plan. As I talked about earlier, right, data today is 
being distributed between on-premises as well as various clouds. It is not just important to have a disaster recovery plan for the on-premises data center, but also for what is being uh, moved into the cloud. So for example, if there is a bunch of data in Office 365, uh, a company needs to have a plan around how is that data recovered in case some disaster happens in the Microsoft Azure cloud. Similarly, if there are a bunch of applications in GCP or AWS, how is that being protected, number one? And where are the disaster recovery copies being stored? So this is where the overall multi-cloud strategy comes in. One could have the data from GCP being protected on-premises or from GCP being protected in AWS and vice versa across the board. All of these things really need to be planned and laid out, right? The other thing that is extremely critical from a disaster recovery plan is to ensure that when the recovery happens, it is more of an orchestrated recovery that can happen just with the click of a button. That it, one doesn't have to go through a thousand steps in order to recover the data. So all of these planning have to happen beforehand and the time to do the planning is not when a disaster strikes. The time to do the planning, as I mentioned earlier, is when everything is okay. But you're preparing for that eventuality in case that happens. This is just like an insurance plan. Uh, you cannot go and get an insurance policy after you get into an accident or after something happens, right? It has to be done beforehand because you know that that may happen, there is a probability associated with it, and you've got to be prepared for that eventuality. The other thing that is extremely critical in today's world, Demetrius, is that as the amount of data is exploding and growing, especially on the unstructured side, a CIO or a CTO needs to be fully aware and has to have a good understanding of what data is critical and what is not. There may be a bunch of uh, the data growth may be happening because of some uh, mp3 files that are there in an engineer's home directory. Maybe that is not the most critical thing to be recovered in the case of a disaster. In the case of a disaster, maybe it is a billing information that needs to be recovered first. So having a clear idea, right, in terms of what data is where, in what machines, what machines are being protected, and also understanding what is the data that is being stored in the cloud, how critical is that for, for business, so that when the recovery happens, it is happening in the order of priority, not in any other random order. Those are all things that are extremely critical, understanding where the data is, having a disaster recovery plan for all of the data, independent of whether it is on-premises or in the cloud, and having an orchestrated recovery. These are things that CIOs need to keep in mind in planning for such an eventuality. All right, uh, Shrita, I, I appreciate your, your advice on, on the disaster recovery plan, and all of those are, are spot on. And, you know, just moving into the, the closing gumbo question, it's, it's one that I, I ask a lot uh, on the gumbo. 
uh, because I, I value your advice and also the the listeners also you know would like your advice as well. And that's about uh, in, if anyone is interested in in changing jobs right now, or maybe there may be someone who is out of a job. Uh, in particular, you know, storage and backup and recovery and cloud experts and administrators, anyone in that industries, you know, what advice uh, would you give to them that may enhance their ability to land that next role? That's that's a very interesting question again, Demetrius. We are talking about data protection, disaster recovery, and storage. And from my perspective, this is a market that is really going to become very critical. And in terms of career opportunities, really going to explode as we go forward. Because we can constantly do surveys of the industry in terms of who is protecting and who is not uh, and what percentage of the companies are really not protecting their data. And, and I'm still surprised to see that there are a fair amount of companies where they haven't given much thought to data protection or disaster recovery. And what I see happening over the next few years is that these companies will be scrambling to implement a data protection and a disaster recovery strategy as they find the, that that is extremely critical for running their business. So from that perspective, this market and the opportunity for jobs in this particular field is only going to grow. But this field is not staying static, right? It is changing constantly. We talked about data moving to the cloud. We talked about SaaS applications coming up, right? We talked about orchestrated recovery. So uh, if you are really interested in this field, I would strongly advise you to go and get get yourself trained on some of the new trends and some of the new waves that are happening in this market, be it protecting SaaS applications or be it protecting container-based applications, which is also growing in the enterprise, right? So make sure that whatever you're doing in the data protection and the disaster recovery space, you're truly up to speed in terms of the trends that are happening today as well as what you foresee to be happening in the next few years. You gotta be where the puck is going rather than where it is now. So that's one. The second thing is once you get the certification and the training done, I would say put it on your LinkedIn profile. Make sure that you the, the recruiters really know about the fact that you're trained in disaster recovery and data protection. Networking is extremely important in this industry. You got to be networking with the folks, especially in industries where you think data protection is important, like in the case of healthcare, like in the case of the financial sector, or even services that are critical for the functioning of a country like the colonial pipeline situation that we saw. There are certain industries that are more um, vulnerable to these kinds of uh, uh, issues as we go forward. So those are some of the industries that you could be networking into or focusing on. Anyway, so those are some of the advice that I would give for the folks looking for jobs in this particular space. Yeah, uh, Sridhar, this was you know some really key advice and I agree with all of those things that, that you have mentioned. And I also leveraged the LinkedIn platform maybe a little too much. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time, especially 
you know, uh, right before and after dinner, my wife has to to pry the the cell phone from my hands. Um, so great advice there. And just for our gumbo listeners, you know, do you mind maybe providing your social media handle, your Twitter? Oh, absolutely. I'm 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 really happy to talk to people um, about this particular area because I'm really passionate about it, as you can. Uh, tell from my responses to the questions. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, it's Sridhar uh, Subramanian, and, and they can definitely reach out to me there. Uh, in addition to that, they can also follow uh, the arcs of uh, a Twitter handle as well as our presence on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. All right. Well, Sridhar, it has definitely been a pleasure hearing your insights and having you on the gumbo. So, Thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to your audience here. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.